Welcome to episode 234 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is your Thursday edition, and I am Paul Spore. Joined, as always, on Thursdays by Mr. Eno Saris. Eno, how are you? Ah, I'm doing great. That's, that's great to hear. I'm doing I'm doing pretty well myself. Headed out to the uh, Round Rock Express game tonight. It's actually going to be a nationally televised minor league game on on CBS Sports between the Chihuahuas and uh, and the Round Rock Express. I think Jason Lane, former hitter uh, of major league uh, of the major leagues, with some acclaim, is going to be on the mound for El Paso. So that's interesting. Unfortunately, what's that? Why is it televised? Who who are the more notable names than Jason Lane? I, I, I don't know why it's televised is the, is the real answer. Um, I believe I saw somebody say that Chichi Gonzalez was pitching tonight because I haven't even checked the pitching matchup yet because mm-hmm. uh, I'm going with the fam and the girlfriend, not the not not so much to you know check check guys out. So let me let me see. It. Yeah, it looks like Chichi is going. And then like I said against Jason Lane, uh, so so we'll see how that goes. I'm trying. You know who who does. Uh, who does San Diego have left? Uh, that's that's the San Diego versus Texas. Rudnet Odor, that'll be great to watch him. He's he's actually uh, hitting pretty well. Um, but I'm trying to think of what so press. Renfro, is Renfro down there? Uh, he might still be in double A. Let me take a look. That'd be nice. I'd like yeah. to see his pop. Uh, Hunter Renfro is. Yeah, he's still with San Antonio. So he's in, he's in, he's in the state. I could go check him out, but uh, not lighting it up so far. Uh, Hunter Renfro, that is. Let me see if I can pull up that. Uh, is Reimer Liriano? Is he healthy right now? Because I, I feel like he would be somebody that would be on that uh, on that El Paso ball club. I wish well, Jeff Francois was still there. Reimer Liriano on TV, so it's probably Chichi. I, I I don't know. I don't know if there if there was any, you know, reasoning behind the players playing, or if it was just something that we're gonna we're gonna do this game here. Uh, the Round Rock, uh, it's called Del Diamond where they play. One of the best parks. I got to be in the minor leagues for sure. It's an amazing place. So good venue. They're, they're set up to handle all that sort of stuff in terms of televising it. So maybe it was, it has less to do with who might be playing and just more to do with the fact that, uh, they wanted to get a triple a AAA game on TV. I mean, at least we have a real prospect on, on the mound for one of the teams. Chichi Gonzalez is a legitimate prospect. So anyway, that's what I'm doing tonight. Uh, put, put, uh, kind of a short slate today. Uh, only one day game. We're going to get in, talk some injuries here. Got a lot of performances to talk about on both ends of the spectrum, positive and some sour ones. And then a couple of intriguing call-ups that I'm really interested to hear your take on these two guys. Because neither uh, is, is a huge prospect, but I think both could could be fantasy viable like there, there's a there's an easy path to okay they they perform a little bit better than we expected this year and all of a sudden they're viable so we'll talk about them later let's dive in with the injuries we got a couple of big ones at the, off the top one that we know is already devastating uh, for a club and then another that could be pretty huge for another club let's start with matt adams's injury though uh torn quad gonna be out three to four months now I think the reason that it's a, a big deal is because uh, not so much because of what he's been doing so far. It's, just, you know, it's not going to be a huge hole out of the Cardinals lineup uh, or your fantasy lineup from what he's delivered. But I think there were expectations for him to deliver better. I've never been a huge Matt Adams guy myself. Um, I, I kind of thought that what he did last year was kind of what he was going to be. You know, 15 homer guy, maybe a little, maybe a little bit more on the power, but I, I don't know. Just not, just not an overwhelming Matt Adams guy, especially at such a deep position. But it does it does hurt the cards a little bit because even though he wasn't performing all that well, now they have to turn to Matt Reynolds, uh, excuse me, Mark Reynolds on a full time basis, 
which could really expose him. So what do you think of Matt Adams? Um, and then and then talk a bit about Mark Reynolds as a, as a direct replacement for that Cardinals. Yeah, there's a couple things I like about Matt Adams. Is you know when when he was you know confronted with the the huge shift, um, he started going oppo, and um, I kind of like that ability to change. You know, I, I like that sort of plasticity where he sure showed the ability to to react to what they were doing to him. So I like that. Uh, never really liked his his plate discipline stats. Um, you know, strikes out a fair amount and doesn't walk much. Um, but I, you know, I kind of just assume from body type, I think, uh, as much as anybody else, that power, as anything else, that power would come because, I mean, dude is country big, you know? And, yeah. like, I, I think that we just all assume that uh, for him. But, you know, with the splits that he has and the fact that we now have about 1,200 plate appearances and, um, you know, you know, I would I wouldn't be surprised if that's a below average ISO for for um, first baseman one seventy six. I, I wouldn't be surprised either. And and you know, the the thing of it is, I, I feel like if there had been more power to to be untapped here, or you know, significantly so, then he probably would have been a better prospect. There's 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 a reason that uh, you know, as a as a twenty third round. I mean, he's beat the odds. It's it's awesome that he's even you know, an everyday player on a, on a high caliber ball club to begin with as a 23rd rounder. So that, that, that piece is, is great. Uh, you know, and he hit, he hit his whole way up, but I just never saw Matt Adams as being even a mid twenties Homer guy. And I know that we're in a lower offensive environment, but first base is still stacked and you still need big pop there. So it is, it is a below average ISO, by the way, 176 that, is 10 points lower than, than the league average for that first. That doesn't surprise me. And, he, and he's lucky he to be not. that high. It's based on that September from 2013 when he popped eight homers. And it just it, – it, it was a great run, but it, it wasn't sustainable or a harbinger of things to come. So now we're, now and, we're without and him. And offer you the other things that you might get from a guy uh, with a little bit lower ISO. Uh, like even when Alan Craig – when Alan Craig was going well, uh, you know, his ISO wasn't very high. His power wasn't, you know, elite, but um, his batting average was, was pretty good. So you either, and then if you get like a Lucroy type at first or something where you get some steals or, you know, at least have a good batting average. But 277 batting average in fantasy is uh, way too close to, to average. So, yeah, he's just, uh, he hasn't quite come through on the promise. So with with Mark Reynolds, uh, we, we know that at least for his career, he can kind of crush lefties. I, I don't think he's been exceptional against him this year. Mark Reynolds has kind of been about a league average guy playing probably more than they expected uh, with, with 109 point appearances. I guess that's not too many. So, But he's going to be playing more now, Mark Reynolds, at least in the short term. He hasn't embarrassed himself against righties. The power isn't there, but he does have a 707 OPS, which, again, I know is not good, but th there have been times where Mark Reynolds has been, you know, how are, how are you in the majors against right-handers? Sometimes he just looks completely uh, lost for spells. And so for so far this year, it's been okay. But uh, the fact that there's no pop it, it is alarming, and it's built on a 405 batting average on balls in play. Lefties is where he needs to do the damage, and the, the pop's been better, but, uh, you know, there isn't a lot to get excited about here, and I just don't think that you need to go replacing Matt Adams with Mark Reynolds on the fantasy landscape. Just about in any league, I think that there would be a better first base corner option for you. Do you have any intrigue for Mark Reynolds? I know he used to be fantasy gold back in the day, but it's been a long time since he's really been all that useful as a fantasy player. Yeah, 
<clears throat> I'm not I'm not that into Reynolds. Um, I just I think that you're right that you know playing more will he'll just strike out more and the batting average will go down and um, you know even the power could go down because they I think they've been judiciously using him even if it's not necessarily a handedness thing. Perhaps they've discovered something about you know what kind of pitchers he likes and stuff like that. So um, <clears throat> I wouldn't I would uh, I wouldn't love to see a lot of him. You know there's. Um, there's uh, Ed Easley got called up. These are, this is sort of deep league stuff here. Ed Easley is like a former catcher. He's 29 years old. Um, I doubt there's, uh, you know, projections have him hitting 250 with really with terrible power. And, um, you know, so he's not very interesting on that level. Um, and just combing through MLB trade rumors, there's not really um, <clears throat> a better option for them. You know, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, this is not the, the analytical side of it at all, but like in an NL only, if I was struggling and I did lose Adams or just had that hole, um, and, and especially if easily it's, it's catcher eligible, you know, at some sites they kind of default to their minor league situation. I know, you know, the whole Twitter thing with the Cardinals devil magic, I would probably throw a dollar on this guy just in case. I mean, I know that like uh, put a dollar on Travis Ishikawa. What's that? You could do something weird like put a dollar on Travis Ishikawa too. Did they scoop him, or that you think they'll talk to? I mean, they know they know how damaging he can be. Yeah, <laughs> better than anybody. Yeah, I think he's got to be semi-available. Brandon Belt's playing better, and there's just no way to get Ishikawa on the field right now. So, no, uh, you know, Pence is back. Uh, that, <laughs> that that team that team's on the uptick, by the way. That San Francisco team, I didn't see much coming out of them this year, and uh, they're hanging right there, making me look stupid. Both of the World Series competitors. Uh, from last year, making me look silly. I had them, uh, I think, fourth and and third in their divisions from AL to NL. There, KC and and San, and San Fran, respectively, and that's not looking very good at all. Anyway, let's yeah, move on to the the best in-house candidate. There's one left. Okay. Uh, it's it's Randall Grichuk, and it's not because he's ever played first base. He hasn't, and it's not because you know Holiday or um, what about Holiday. Hey, Played first base. One of those guys. That's what I'm saying. There's the outside chance, but not, none of them have ever played first base. But sure. that's the only place where they have any surplus on the team. Um, and uh, you know, with Jay being credible, not necessarily uh, you know great, but with Jay being credible, you could you could do something where Grichuk gets more time. So <clears throat> you, you know, cool. that could like actually that. raise to the level of of I think mixed league um, you know mixed league relevance if if Grichuk's was suddenly an everyday player. I don't think he would hit 300, but you know, I do think he could hit 250 with above average power and a little yep. bit of speed. So no, I'm, um, with, I'm with you on Grichuk for sure. I, I like that as an outside of the box situation. I'll tell you in the short term, I think for sure it's going to be Reynolds because his numbers are at a level where they can easily justify it. But it could, Reynolds is a guy who can get so cold that it could take like 12 games, like not even very long, 12 games. And all of a sudden he's hitting 194 for the season. And it's much easier for them to say, we got to do something else here. We can't keep putting Reynolds out there every day. And then maybe they get creative. And the only reason I said Holiday over Gritchuk is because of an age situation. Maybe it is something where, you know, Holiday strikes me as one of those guys who'll be playing till 40 just because he's so freaking good. Um, and maybe the last few years of his career could be spent at first base. And this could start that transition. Again, we're just spitballing here, but I like that idea. I'm kind of Wait. piggybacking off of that. And the last, just the last thing on that, uh, Piscotti is—is is he with the team? Because um, 
I don't know for sure. I know that uh, that's that was one that got thrown around too. I heard that as a name. I think uh, I think it was not mashing in AAA right now. No, he's walking, uh, hitting for power, and I know that dude pretty well. I've interviewed him a couple times, and he's from Stanford. He was a third baseman at Stanford. Exactly. So So he's he's played played the infield. Yeah, oh, uh, it was it was I think it was Buster only that had mentioned uh, him as a name I, I, or, or maybe a guest on his podcast. I honestly, I don't remember 100 percent where I heard it, but I heard that as a, as a thing. And they honestly, mentioned- I'm going to I'm going to I might go see if I can find Viscotti uh, in some of my deeper leagues because that one seems really easy. Also, because he's in the minor leagues, so it's not going to cause as much of a hubbub or possible team strife. You know, because probably the veteran move is, you know, move Reynolds into first. Ed easily becomes the backup first baseman. That's that's easy to do. Uh, and the, no veterans get their 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 feathers ruffled sure. by Matt Holiday asking Matt Holiday to take grounders at first base. So yeah, exactly. that seems like a little bit out of the box. Grichuk is a decent defender, and and I think he's been playing over Jay some in center. So um, you know that doesn't uh, that that's not necessarily where you want to put your able-bodied center fielder is first base. So Piscotti being in the minor leagues, it's really easy to say, hey, yo, uh, you know, and people might not even notice that or it would take a while to filter up to the top. So, uh, you know, I think uh, if you do hear anything about Piscotti actually taking grounders at first base, um, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he's a college bat that um, is a little bit old, but, you know. But but he's consistently hit. And, yeah, and- power isn't like amazing, but it could be enough uh, to to float a decent average, you know. So it's well, think- and it, it could be emerging. See, this year the difference from his from his previous years is he's displaying a lot more power. It's cut into his batting average. I'm sure there's a correlation there, and maybe he needs to find that happy balance where he's not exactly hitting 235, but if he could be more of a 260 with a little bit more pop then all of a sudden Piscotti, like you said, could be a decent option there. That, that Again, th- they could get creative here. I think they're they pretty much super easy to just go with Reynolds because his, his numbers aren't offensive enough right now. But again, that that's short term. I don't know if they're going to try to be a first place uh, frontline club with Mark Reynolds at first base. Right. We'll see how that goes with them. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Scott Casimir and his injury. He left after just three innings against Detroit with a shoulder injury. An MRI is coming, so we're a little bit in the dark on what's going on. Didn't seem great though. Uh, he certainly seemed pretty bummed. You know, just kind of reading the body language piece of it. I know that that doesn't do a whole lot there. Don't don't react off of that. But in terms of what I saw while watching the game. That 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 was evident that he thought it was you know if you're reading Casimir you're like wow that seems a little bit serious because he's pretty overly bummed about it or maybe he was just bummed that he had three no hit innings going and he was about to drop a no no on the Tigers I don't know maybe that's the only reason he was mad but either way Casimir had been you know brilliant to this point sub three ERA in 58 innings with 57 strikeouts his name really starting to pop up in trade rumor potential because of how poorly the Oakland Athletics have been pitching obviously that gets put on hold right now until we find out what his health piece is he's been a health risk in the past with only one 200 inning season but the last two seasons since kind of coming back from the dead really I mean this guy was done 
never going to hear from him again. I think that was a, a safe bet, not only viable, but that was a safe bet back in 2010, 2011. Then he was all out of baseball altogether in 2013, comes back, and he's now an all-star. So this is very crucial for both the A's if they plan to try to make one of their crazy comebacks or if they're going to continue restocking and try to trade off the 31-year-old who's, a, I believe, a free agent after this year too. So he becomes an obvious trade candidate if healthy. What do you think of Casimir and uh, – do you have any additional thoughts on what admittedly is a murky situation uh, injury-wise right now? I mean, the fact that he actually got an MRI is um, is a little bit worrisome. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, you know, again, the doctor thing. I freaking hate this. I can't even finish the sentence. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I feel like getting an MRI is a bigger deal than, oh, he's just going to miss a start and – you know, we're, you know, we're not concerned or whatever. So, you know, they wanted to look at something. They went in there and they looked at it. Um, yeah. And with his injury history, that's, that's, uh, that's worth thinking about. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what you do. I mean, you don't want to sell, sell low and, you know, we're supposed to learn more about this as, you know, today, as, as we're recording sometime in the next hour or two, uh, there's going to be more about this. Um, yes. when the, when the, um, when they get into the clubhouse. So um, I feel like you just have to wait and hear what they say. Um, I have offers open that haven't even been uh, declined yet. You know, I have offers that are people are sort of waiting on the same, the same deal where they're waiting on. I've been trying to sell Casimir all year. Sure. Uh, and, and it's understandable uh, because he's been so great. And, you know, even at his best, even before this, I'm sure you were sitting there thinking that this guy's an injury risk. I'd like to sell high here. Um, because honestly, I think the skills aren't necessarily, you know, that that unreasonable. You know, maybe a sub three ERA is a little bit out of the realm of what we should expect rest of the way, even if Casimir is healthy. But uh, you know, kind of replicating last year where you had a 3.55 ERA, um, and, and I can I can buy the 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 added K this year. He's gone from 7.8 per nine to 8.8 per nine. I can buy that with a low to mid three ZRA, which is probably in that three 3.25 to 3.55 range. Absolutely can buy into that. So if, if he's healthy, you know, proceed as, as you were. But until then, I think you just got to kind of hold on everything. I wouldn't – unless you could go buy super cheap. If somebody's terrified, I still might take the gamble. I, I, and I'm talking terrified like, oh, God, I'm so stupid and bad at this when I'm trying to come up with a name just offhand. If somebody – I don't know if they wanted like, oh, man, I can't – I don't have a shortstop. I need something at shortstop. Give me Andrelton Simmons for him. I'll be like, okay, fine. Yeah, you know, something silly like that uh, where they're just trying to fill a, a weak position and they're ready to sell out on, on Kazmir. That's the kind of situation where I'd or buy. Otherwise, you just hold. Somebody wants your catcher and Grandal is like on the on the waiver wire and you're just like, okay. Yeah, I'd be like, fine. I'll go out. You know, that's another guy I would try to I would be buying in on if I didn't have him everywhere already. Ground elephant. You know, people are worried. I know concussions are always scary, so that's why you could maybe get a, a discount. But uh, he's already on his rehab, and I think he's supposed to rejoin the club this weekend. That's Grandal. So anyway, sit tight on on Casimir. And unfortunately, our last bit of injury news is also really nebulous. There's just no added information, but I feel like it's worth uh, bringing up because I also want to get your thoughts on him given what uh, what he's been doing so far. And that's Wei-Yen Chen. He could miss – oh, actually, nope. The latest update 30 minutes ago says he will start. So there, there was some undisclosed soreness that uh, – 
put his next start in into uh, into question, but he's going to make it. So scratch the injury piece, but I still am very interested in what you think away, Yin Chen. What's that? Rock or Roch, Roch Kubatko? Rock Kubatko, yes. Rock Kubatko says that uh, Chen is dealing with soreness. Buck won't specify other than say that it's not arm-related, so that's, that's very strange. But uh, maybe an oblique-type stuff or something. But, um, yeah, I think Chen is really interesting because I have one guy who's been emailing me and, you know, he's you know been like, should I drop him for this guy and should I drop him for this guy? And, you know, we're both looking at the same stuff, which is like, well, he gives up all these homers and, mm-hmm. you know, his strikeout rate's not great. And, um, you know, why is his BABIP so low this year when it hasn't been in the past? And is he really more of a true talent, like four ERA guy, like he was in his first year or somewhere in between like he was last year? So, I mean, it's it's... You know, we're all looking at the same sort of stats here. Um, And I don't, just from watching him too, like I'm not ever impressed with um, what I see when I watch him. Um, And uh, and then there was this piece that just came out on 538 that, you know, had some holes in it. And and we don't know how important this stuff is long term. But um, it found that Wei and Chen's, like the velocity off the bat against uh, batters that bat against Wei and Chen is lower than usual. Yeah, and he has his highest soft percentage by a lot. Um, it's at 23% yeah. up from 18 last year, which was a career high before that. His career marks 17%. So, you know, these last two years, he's gotten a lot more soft contact. This year, it's, it's exemplary uh, for Wei Yin Chen. So if there is something there, all of a sudden you understand why the BABIP's lower. Plus, as a fly ball guy, he's going to have a lower BABIP. But the homers are still there, and in fact, they're back with a vengeance um, after after being down at 1.1 for a couple years, they're back up in the 1-3 range, which is where he was his his MLB rookie year. So, you know, I've always kind of liked Chen as a as an AL, you know, uh, foundation piece that you just leave in there for his 180 innings, and you kind of take the the uh, low fours, high threes ERA. Yeah. But you know, so far with a 3.13 ERA. I just I don't think that there's too much to get to to say that why this is legitimate over the uh, upper threes low fours ERA like you said the only thing that is different is that big jump in soft percentage which coincides with the lowered BABIP etc but home run guys scare me so that's where I am with Chen I really haven't also, changed my know, tune that soft percentage for pitchers is 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 behind I mean just like we know batted ball you know stuff for pitchers is behind batted ball stuff for hitters so. Um, you know, the soft percentage is, is probably one of the least likely places I'll go for analysis for a pitcher. It's just, it's like, okay, well, that's what's happened so far. But, you know, if you're you talking at, in terms of going forward and, and banking on it. Is what yeah, exactly. Saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that, and that's the only thing I can even find. And like, like you say, how much can we trust it? And that's why with, with Wei Yin Chen, I'm like, I'm kind of exactly where I've been. And that's why at 313 with his ERA, I'm definitely selling. So thankfully, there is no injury here that if you do have him, you can still kind of continue to sell. Um, you know, maybe yeah, there's even no, there's no corresponding change in movement speed. Um, you know, uh, there's no real uh, there's a little bit of a, a change in release point, but um, that might be something that you would think about with injuries. So that's not necessarily a reason to buy. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, there's not much of a difference uh, when it comes to uh, his placement of pitches within the zone in terms of if he's throwing higher or whatever. So um, there's no real reason. Yeah, there's nothing I can find. 
Okay, yeah, let, let's go ahead and move on then. We'll, we'll keep monitoring him, and if things evolve with Wei Yan Chen to the point where we're saying, okay, there is something to, to buy into this new performance, we'll, we'll make the, the appropriate moves then. But right now, I think you just value him as you have in the past um, and, and, and go from there. Let's talk about some, some recent performances here, and we'll start with hitters, and I'm going to start on the high end for sure and, and, and almost the highest of the high end right now, and that's with Josh Donaldson who's just out of his mind, uh, obviously ravaged the White Sox with, uh, with four bombs, David Robertson's personal nightmare there, seven ribbies. I mean, he is just absolutely on fire. Josh Donaldson, uh, I know some people don't like the pace game. I, I actually don't mind it when we're two months in. It's still, still fun. It doesn't mean I just blindly believe in them, but just to get an idea of how ridiculous someone's performing, you know, Donaldson hitting 314 with a 965 OPS on pace for 136 runs, 43 homers, 116 ribbies, and even seven stolen bases, which is a different element to his game that we haven't really seen much of. He had, uh, I guess he had eight last year. I, I didn't realize that about Donaldson, but obviously not going to maintain. What's that? Opportunistic. Not a, not a real base dealer. Yeah, absolutely. Just somebody who will sneak them every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, but but really taking to this number two hole, and I know that the, the biggest number that I mentioned there was that runs total. It's because 41 leads baseball. He's actually got one in almost every game, 49 games, 41 runs. So, I mean, just crushing in that two hole there with the power. The batting average is up. We all knew that the stadium was going to be a boon for him, but it's been an even bigger boon than maybe we thought because the lineup's also super elite. Uh, Josh Donaldson's been ridiculous. He's been a top 10 player so far this year, a top 10 batter, I should say. Actually, no, overall, too, uh, even if you factor in pitchers. What, what do you think here? Is this too high of a level um, across the board, too high in a couple spots, or can he really be this kind of overwhelming superstar? Well, he's had slightly more games at home, slightly more plate appearances at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like he, the, the park backer is a big deal because he's got 10 homers at home and three on the road. Um, so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I, I thought this was going to be the year that he hits, you know, 35 homers and, and, um, and, uh, you know, does it with a 300 batting average. So yep. I, this is sort of, you know, I mean, it's a little bit, you know, even high end for that, but this is sort of what I expected. And I, I suspected with a few, you know, just a few more games on the road and as things balance out, he'll settle in around 35, but maybe he'll hit 40. Um, and, uh, he's got one of the sweetest swings in baseball. I really love the way he gets his hands down to the zone and then has like, just a real nice long path through the zone. And, um, he, he loves talking, hitting. I've loved talking, hitting to him. I can't wait till they come back and, and I get to talk to him about it again. But, um, you know, I, the thing, the few things that I know about hitting, I've, uh, I, a lot of them I've learned from him. And, yeah. Don- uh, Donaldson's absolutely absurd. So, Okay, I, I I hear you on terms of in terms of coming down a little bit for sure because he's he's played a lot of home games and he is on a, an incredible pace. So, but I'm with you on the 35. I was seeing I was seeing similar sorts of things. Uh, Jason and I, you know, he's carrying our labor team right now, loving every second of it. Um, do you think he's a top 10 uh, overall player the rest of the way, even with a little bit of a backslide? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm really starting to think so too. And I, 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 when I did the solo pod, when I filled in for you, I made a case about Todd Frazier being the same. So I've got two third basemen now, uh, all of a sudden in my top top ten overall, my 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 theoretical top ten overall. And it's you know this position's really starting to have depth to it. 
And even if you're in a league that doesn't still count Miggy there from last year when he played, I think, 12, 12 or 14 games, even if that isn't the case with your league, when you're talking about Donaldson, Frazier, Carpenter with a power surge, Chris Bryant being everything everyone thought, and then some Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado looking like breakouts, and then this next guy. By the way, those were listing – I was just listing the third baseman in order on ESPN's Player Raider. And then the number seven guy is our next guy to talk about, and it's Alex Rodriguez. And <laughs> – I'm not sure I could have convinced you that he would be the seventh best third baseman on the player Raider at any point in the season. I'm not even sure I could have convinced you, you know, I'm going to tell you on April 10th that he's seventh best. You'd be like, eh, maybe, but there will be four games by then, and he'll probably, you know, have three offers or something. You know, no matter what, and even Jason and I, we have him on that labor team as well. We, we thought he could be something. We certainly didn't see this. Uh, you know, we thought 18 homers at the high end for the full season. A-Rod's got 11 uh, a 940 OPS moonshots too. It's not like he's getting some wall scrapers. I mean, he's on pace for 38. I can't imagine that anybody believes that uh, he can do that. First off, just the grind of the full season is where uh, the main area where I worry about Rodriguez because of his age. But I, I do think that that you know the power is believable. It's been great. I, I've I've enjoyed. It. I know some people still hate a Rod for for the lying and 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 what he did. I, I kind of get your side of it, but he paid his penalty as far as I'm concerned. He sat out an entire year, um, and, and, and so he paid his penalty. I'm, I'm willing to accept him back in baseball, and he's been excellent. What do you see from A-Rod? I, I'm sure you're probably selling, but what would you really, realistically expect if you are trying to sell him? No, oh, I'm sure it's really hard to sell him. I mean, people are going to think that he's just going to get injured or, or bought for steroids uh, again, and uh, so you can't, I mean, even though there's, there's some amazing things, you know, his, uh, he's got the best pop-up rate of his career, uh, which is kind of an amazing thing. Uh, he's got the, uh, the second, no, the best hard hit rate of his career. That's kind of amazing. The second best soft percentage it's, of his career. Um, he's un- kind unfortunately, of, by the way, it all points to one of the things that you did say. That, that he just got right back on the Jews. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, on the other hand, there are a couple things that do look a little bit more bell curvish. Uh, he's back. His his bad strikeout rate is still there. Uh, I mean, there was, you know, in his prime, he was striking out 16, 17, 18% of the time. And now so he's silly. More, of a, more of a uh, traditional slugger type with 23%. Um, and the uh, worst swinging strike rate of his career. So, you know, to some extent, he's he's just swinging hard. I was going to say, probably yeah. selling out for the power, but the fact picking that he's... And, What's that? Picking pitches and swinging hard and yeah. missing some, yeah. Hey, but you know what? You'll take that, because even at 276, that's fine. Even if he dropped some of the average, he could be hitting... 256 if he did if he does it with the 100 point split with the OBP because he's at 276 374 right now even if A-Rod's at 256 uh, 354 as long as he keeps the power the Yankees can take that and so can your fantasy team big time so uh, let's see but who could you let me let me yeah, give you let, let's let, let's play the game what what names could you realistically get you got some names go ahead um well, here's some buy low, upper end buy low guys. Uh, Gio Gonzalez. Uh, so now, are you asking me if I would do it if I had a rod? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I would take Gio. That, that I think that'd be a pretty good deal, and I don't think that the Gio trader would be completely ridiculous, to be honest, either. Um. Uh, let's see. Uh, on the hitter side. Um, <clears throat> It's kind of hard to find a hitter because 
either they have a better track record or they, you know, they're younger or, you know, you have to, there's kind of a, there's got to be one name here. Yeah, that you're, you're right though. I mean, you keep looking for one, but it is going to be harder with, with a hitter. I think the pitcher is where you're really going to be able to, if you're going to mine some value out of A-Rod, it's going to be by trading for a pitcher. Do you think you could get um, Colin McHugh for him, who got knocked around a little bit yesterday, so his yeah, ERA is up at 424. The Ks are down, but but still usable at 7.4. The walks are way down. It's looking like a bit of a command situation with him, where he's just pounding the zone a little bit too much. Needs to be a little bit finer to get back to where he was last year. But Swing I think there's strikes are still you know where they were last year. For yeah, the there's still lots to like with McHugh. So, do you think you could actually get him though? I think you could get McHugh. I you know, for me, it'd be a little bit, um, I'd be a little bit slower to, to jumping on, uh, the yes button, but, um, uh, you know, because Gio, Gio is interesting cause he's got, you know, the best ground ball rate of his career. Um, yeah, I would do that more sinkers, you know, the strikeout rates for the most part still there. And, you know, it's, it's hard for me to say why there would be any real trouble and he's in the NL and in a good park and stuff. Um, you know, hitters that I'm thinking of are like, uh, David Wright, uh, Marcelo Zuna, uh, Ben Zobris. I would do Ozuna. I don't think I would do Wright. I'm I'm terrified of the of the stenosis. Um, I would do Zobrist if I needed a shortstop. Uh, that'd be the only situation if I was just yeah. really busted at shortstop really, right now. It's really kind of boring everywhere else. So. Um, Okay, let's let's do let's do one more pitcher here, and I'll ask you if you think you could get him or not. It's probably it's too big of a name, and I know you love him, so I, I think you might say no. But uh, now, nah, never mind. His numbers aren't. I, I thought I thought his ERA was. I was gonna say Garrett Richards. I thought his ERA was quite a bit higher, to be honest. It's only Alex a, Wood. Oh God, I don't like Alex Wood. Right. Um, but uh, no, I, I I wouldn't do it. I, I would actually I would try to get a hitter with it, to be honest. I'd be like, well, throw me back. Some some growth stock that maybe I can get a little something out of if if that were uh, presented to me, but I I would I would try not to do that. I just I, I was I was reluctant to buy an Alex Wood. Then he goes out and has that amazing season, and so I was like I got to start giving this guy some credit for what he's doing because he's commanding despite these ridiculous mechanics. And it turns out if I just waited a year, we would have mm-hmm. seen that those mechanics are eventually catching up to him. But, but you know, he's excellent last year, so maybe Wood irons it back out. I would want to keep A-Rod there, but I, I could see a lot of people taking that trade and saying yes. Yeah. It, Wood, to me, is the same thing uh, as Strasburg, but Strasburg has a much, much longer track record, of course. But um, the, they're both really compounding to me because they both, the, the shapes and the velocity of their pitches haven't changed at all. And so I'm just stuck looking at this guy, and it's like, you know, what's changed. And I wrote a piece about Wood saying, well, he's throwing lower in the zone, trying to get ground balls, and, you know, it's leading to worse counts, and, and so he can't, um, you know, get the whiffs. But, you know, he, he should be able to get whiffs despite the count if the, the shape of the pitches is the same. Strasburg's changeup has not changed shape. It has not changed. It's, a, like, maybe a tiniest tick harder in velocity, but it's, you know, but there for some reason batters are swinging at more. They're tattooing the changeup, and you know, yet very little has changed about what Strasburg is doing. So I, I'm a little bit more comfortable saying Strasburg is a buy low because of his bat, his career uh, history. Uh, but the, both of those pitchers, I'm kind of like, well, nothing's changed. What's going on? Do you think um, A. Rod and 
Chase Anderson for uh, for Strasburg would be enough? I would do it. I would do it if I had uh, a Rod, and I would I would I would throw that out there. That's the kind of level I'm definitely comfortable um, saying Strasburg is a buy low on that level. People have, have, have put forward much more uh, difficult trades for me to, to decide on because I would call Strasburg more of a hold than a yeah. buy low, um, just because you know the pitchers have bad years. He's nearing the end of his Tommy John uh, honeymoon uh, period, so well maybe. Uh... Maybe and Jason and I could try that. Out. Sorry, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, that would that would be a fun thing. I mean, if you need a little bit of pitching and uh, and uh, it seems like you kind of have this a rod bonus with Josh Donaldson. Uh, well, playing so well, that that's the thing. Third base, we're overly stocked there because um, we have Donaldson, a rod, Ploof, who we just took because he just kept sitting out there. We knew we had major third base overload. We're like, but he's too good. Um, Castellanos. And Alex Guerrero. Now, thankfully, Guerrero qualifies a lot of spots, so we're using him at second base. But we're third base overloaded, so it's so easy to trade A-Rod from the positional standpoint. Um, and I'm just wondering if A-Rod Anderson would even be enough. Doug Anderson is the owner um, uh, who has who has him in labor mixed. He also has Richards, coincidentally enough, and a name that I mentioned. I don't know. I'm going to try that with, uh, with A-Rod and Chase. Put Put in the dropper in the trade. It's it's I know it's optics. Oh yeah, no no, you you're you're right. I I fully agree with that. I should have put that in my trade tips. That that's actually a great tip. But yeah. go ahead and explain further what you're talking about. Like I think, you know, the more season you are, the more you're like when someone sends you a 2 for 1, you're just like, "Oh, I'm not going to give my good player for your two average players." Yeah. No. But <clears throat> the deeper the league is, the more 2 for 1s make sense because your worst player sometimes is a really bad player. And, you know, if they can show you with the trade, you know, where you would get the upgrade, then then you're much more likely to listen to it. So if someone said, well, I see that your fifth outfielder is blah. <clears throat> so or the, I see their third baseman is this person. And, 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 you know, so if you can if you can say here's A-Rod and Chase Anderson or C.J. Cron and because C.J. Cron's his worst guy. There you go. You give me C.J. Cron. And uh, and Steven Strasburg, and then you then they can say, oh yeah, well I take the step down to Chase, but maybe I'm worried about Strasburg anyway. And I know he's not. It's not like he's lives in the ice age. He knows all of Arod's issues, but he's like sure. maybe maybe he has good drugs this year. <laughs> uh, Undetectable. And, yeah, right. Exactly. And uh, and and Crone's like in the minor leagues, isn't he? Yeah, he was sent down. That's why I think that he he would be. Yeah. So you got an opportunity there, and it just looks better if if you. Put Crone in the deal, even if you're going to drop him for whatever next week. And in a lot of these deals, in a lot of these leagues, it's useful to have a dropper because you can, then you can you can make a waiver uh, deal easier because you have a, a person you can slot in as Absolutely. a dropper. No, I, I think that's a great tip. Uh, and I, I do like that one for sure. Let's jump on the other end of the spectrum here. And unfortunately, we're going to pick on the same team twice when we talk about some of our struggling guys. We're going to start with Hanley Ramirez because honestly, wouldn't have expected to talk about him struggling after you saw that April. But basically, since he got hurt, since he collided with the wall out there, and it looked really nasty, by the way, I think he missed three games. Um, but since returning from then, uh, Hanley Ramirez has been absolutely brutal. 211, 507 OPS, no homers, just one ribby in 75 plate appearances. And normally I'm not going to freak out on an 18-game, you know, quote-unquote slump from really any any star-level player, and that's absolutely what, what Hanley is. But there's a reason for it, as I mentioned. 
running into the wall like that. So if, if there wasn't some sort of injury, no, no harm, no foul. You don't worry. But the fact is, there is the injury, and it has me concerned. He's been brutal after just an electric April. What are your thoughts right now on Hanley Ramirez? Thankfully, he's done enough surplus with that April that overall you're fine. But rest of way, how are you valuing him? Because we're going to be releasing the shortstop uh, update soon, and I don't have number one like I'm. Uh, I'm sure some folks will. Yeah, I mean, what's weird is that there were things that were happening, um, you know, sort of behind the scenes, even when he was hot, that I thought, you know, might lead to some regression. Um, so I don't know whether to blame the shoulder injury or just the regression for from the reason. It could, it could be a mix then. At that, so, so talk to me about what you saw that you were well, concerned about during worth, the hot streak even. Worst pop-up rate of his career. Uh, worst soft percentage of his career, uh, biggest oppo percentage of his career. So worst helmet wearing of his career, or major <laughs> leagues even. He surpassed Manny in that category. I think Baseball Reference just updated it for the all-time leader of oh, worst well, helmet wearing. Manny on a, on a bunch of different levels after that throw. We it, it, it really is crazy though how much he is transitioning into Manny Ramirez, <laughs> right down to the helmet, um, and 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 the fact that he is a little bit eccentric too. And you can definitely see him doing some of the hilarious goofiness that that Manny was famous for um but anyway continue worst, on on some first drop rate of his career you know oppo going oppo like that usually leads to a, a downtick in power uh having the bad pop-up rate like that usually leads to uh bad babib and the the worst soft rate of his career worst soft percentage of his career you know that should be a bad for his babib so uh, you know, he's kind of earned his bad Babbitt so far. And yeah. even if he progresses in a couple places, it may not regress to his and, – and none of them are doing this to their credit. None of the projection systems are regressing him to his career Babbitt. And that's kind of the default for a lot of these projection systems is what's his career Babbitt? Use that. They're all regressing him to 296, 308, 319. That's the three different numbers. 330 career mark. 330 career mark. I would regress him back to like a 280, 290 Babbitt which means that I, I'm taking the under on his batting average rest of season projections, which means I don't, I'm not necessarily sure that he's going to have a much better um, uh, batting average. I think that the power will regress and the Babbitt will get a little better, and uh, he'll end up with a 260, you know, 265 batting average from here on out, end the year with like a 260 batting average, um, you know, less, less power than he's shown, and, and probably one more DL stint. So uh, it was a great beginning. It's it's not terrible even now. No, but I don't think I mean, that it's, I necessarily it's, make him number one, especially since Tulowitzki has been healthy. Well, that, that, there there there's the debate now because both are struggling. They were the only two who could even become close to considered for number one shortstop coming into the year. It was more of a personal preference thing. I think most still had Tulo, but um, it, again, one of those two for sure. How do you value those two now? Who do, who do you like better? Well, you know, people have rightly pointed out that Tulowitzki's over-aggression is, is hurting him. And I, I think that's definitely something, there's something to that. I mean, the worst walk rate of his career by far, um, you know, backed up by some changes in, in, his, uh, in his swing rate. Um, so, you know, you know, the biggest swing percentage of his career, uh, the biggest reach rate of his career. I don't know why he's pressing. Um, except that there were some behind-the-scenes numbers. Uh, behind-the-scenes, uh, there was a little little bit of rumor action. His agent and him, they said, no, there's nothing there. You know, no, talk to the club about this. And then the club didn't really say anything. 
you know, I think he's pushing for a trade. Yeah, I, I do too, and I, I've been I've been speculating on that myself. That Tua's struggles are are really more uh, attitude than anything else, and I know that again, that's that kind of goes away from the uh, st- analytical and statistical piece of it, and gets more into kind of the the intangible and, and narrative end. But I think I think there's legitimacy there. So well, um, I mean, what what other reason would we have? You know, for even though he's thirty, there's no there's no cliff for walk rate and strikeout rate at 30. There's a little, you're supposed to go down maybe 1%. So he has a 10% career walk rate and he has a 3% one now. And I know that some of these things have come past like the, you know, signal to noise ratio and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, you know, there's decent samples for this walk and strikeout rates, but you know, he's a human being also. And he's, it looks like he's decided to do this and he's getting bad results because of it, you know? So Whatever reason he had to decide to do this, he can unmake that reason because we know from the other 4,000 plate appearances <laughs> here that, you know, he normally takes a lot of walks and doesn't strike out a lot. Yeah, so. th- th- there's just no reason for it to be that crazy like that. And, and again, it, it fits kind of an attitude thing to, to where you could see him getting traded to somewhere he's comfortable, you know, he's, he's happy about and instantly turning it around. Now, y- y- you hate you, you hate to see that happen. You, you wish that it wasn't a, a situation where the uh, attitude was impacting him. And I'm sure some people are, you know, going to be hating on him for that. You know, you make this amount of money. You should have a better attitude. You're playing a kid's game, blah, blah, blah. Shut up. Those things are stupid. It's still his job. You know, it's not the same as your office job, but sometimes you're unhappy at your job and you don't do as well as you should. I think we're seeing a little bit of that right now. Uh, anyway, let, let's of, oh, go ahead. Man, he's getting tired of losing. He's still exactly. hitting the ball. Best hard hit percentage of his career. Yeah, he's pulling a little bit too much, but there's no, there's no like if there was like a wrist injury or something, you no, know, nothing for this. Losing days and 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 not really playing every day. I mean, I just don't, I don't see a reason for any of this. I I, I I've got him as I still have, I think he's the top shortstop the rest of the way, and that's under the assumption that of course they does get traded, um, and and kind of comes out of this funk. Uh, attitude wise, but or, or or figure something out personally, or you know, or the team comfortable back again in, in Colorado. Yeah, tells them we're acquiring arms or something, or 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 you're not going anywhere, so just chill out. You know, something, yeah, something, you know. some resolution to it. I, I agree. Yeah, they either say, listen, I, we know you want out. It's not happening until the off season. At least try to play hard the rest of this year, or they say, yeah, we'll trade you by thirty by the, by the thirty first. Uh, can you maybe put, put, put your performance back on track so we can get something in return? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, the other guy on the negative end here offensively, uh, I mentioned a teammate of Hanley Ramirez, so I'm sure it's an easy guess as to who it is, although that team as a whole has been uh, pretty rough. But it's David Ortiz. And, uh, you know, we're in a situation now. We've seen this a couple times where he gets off to a really tough start and people already close the book on him. That was a few years ago, though. At, at 39... Uh, for David Ortiz, I understand why people would do it again, even though, you know, in the past he's kind of come out of it. I just don't know that you can keep saying that he will come out of it uh, necessarily. And, and what it is really is a batting average situation and a uh, an overall OPS standpoint. I mean, he's still got six homers right now, so he's not completely killing you, um, even though Ortiz does have a 216 average and things aren't going well. At least there isn't some major power outage to where you're getting nothing from him. I think it's like a 25 homer pace, which is not what you were hoping for, but again, not destroying your team. I mean, 
it's about a reasonable expectation. It's actually a pretty decent season from your 39-year-old DM. Bingo. That, that's what I'm saying. So you couldn't have possibly expected a complete repeat of 2014, as great as it was. So you had to put some regression in. There's maybe a little bit more than expected so far. Do you think you can bounce back up and, and, and be, you know, closer to last year? Or is this kind of what we're talking about? You said this would be a reasonable expectation for a 39-year-old. Look at his build, um, everything that, you know, uh, goes with being a 39-year-old DH-only kind of guy. I'm not sure that we're necessarily going to see a huge spike from David Ortiz. But what do you think? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, the uh, worst hard hit percentage of his career by and and like down Leaps and bounds. Yeah, down down 13% from last year. Um, you know, one of the worst soft percentages of his career. Um, you know, the worst infield fly ball rate of his career. Um, the worst home run to fly ball rate of his career. I mean, it's just all lining up to you know he's old. He you know he's hitting the most ground balls of his career. You know, so there's like all of it's bad. And um, there's no, oh, but he's doing this. There's just, it's just all pretty much bad. You know, he's, he's pulling the ball even more than usual. Uh, I, I would say he's not going oppo. And so he's not going to beat the shift um, and because the oppo percentage is the lowest. So you, you've got a guy who's getting shifted, lefty, slow, big, um, you know, not hitting the ball hard. Um, you know, he's going to be useful in on-base percentage leagues and, um, I think, you know, he, I think he can get the BABIP up to like 250 or something going forward. Even last year, his BABIP for the entire year was 256. Um, and that was, you know, when he was starting to get really shifted hard. So, yeah. um, I think that, uh, you know, you can give him a little bit more BABIP, but I'd take the, the lowest, the lowest BABIP rest of season projection is from Zips at 272, gives him a 265 average. Um, I wouldn't even give him that Zips power necessarily. So, um, I, I'd basically say he, he can hit 260 with a 340 on base percentage the rest of the season, um, and um, hit like 18 more homers end of the season. Um, what was the average that you said? Like 260. Yeah, and if you can get 260 and 18 bombs, you should be thrilled. Because honestly, I talked about Ortiz has had some some slow starts to begin with before. First off, that was years ago. Now, I thought it was much more recently. It was a long time ago, and it was never really this bad either. We weren't down in a 679 OPS situation with him. So, you know... You're going to get some, the power, but I think it's going to be pretty empty at this point. Not 100 ribbies, not a useful batting average. You know, because even last year's 263 wasn't too bad. And then, of course, 300 or better the three years before that. Definitely not getting that, but you're not even probably going to get uh, much over the – two. you said 260 as a high end anyway. So I'd be worried about David Ortiz if I had him. Um, I never end up with him. I am one of those guys who gets a little bit nervous about filling the, uh, the, the utility. I know talent's talent, and, and, and don't worry so much about that. If I thought he was the best player at the time, I, I've been more open to taking him the last couple of years, but I've just always had guys that I like better. So I don't have any shares, and at 39, I definitely feel better about that regarding Ortiz. Yeah. Let's move on and talk about Mark Trumbo here, who's a guy that we've been getting a lot of questions about, so we had to definitely get him in here. Um, you know, when this dude is on, it's really fun to watch. I, I sometimes I forget that about Mark Trumbo. You know, I get I get you know uh, in the winter with the cold numbers. I'm I'm staring at numbers and I'm just like, 
oh, Mark Trumbull, you know, it's just it's not all that good. And it was kind of a bust last year with the with the Diamondbacks because he only got to play 88 games. He was supposed to go there and finally have a good home park and really push up into the upper 30s, maybe low 40s for power. And I understood where that was coming from, but then obviously the injury really derailed him. Been watching him a lot lately. Been watching way more Diamondbacks than I thought I would because the offense is pretty fun. And he's just raking. He's having uh, a, a huge uh, April specifically with – or excuse me, a huge uh, May with the power. He's got six of his eight bombs. So he's crushing. I wonder, do you see anything different uh, than, than what we've seen in the past? Or is this just the L.A. guy transplanted over and, and – not really seeing much of a park boost or anything like that. Still a, a, a 30 homer type, uh, but but not really extra because a lot of people thought it'd be extra coming over to Chase Field from from a- Anaheim Stadium or whatever the hell it's called. I honestly don't know. <laughs> Is it Anaheim Stadium? I don't know. The Big okay. A. It's a, I, They call it the Big A all the time, so I know that's not the technical name. Anyway, Mark Trumbo, you in on this or is he just I, the same I, guy? I yeah, I want to talk to him because the um, the the pull percentage is a, is at a career low, and it's only like point one from last year. But I, the reason I mention it is because it's kind of gone down every year. Yeah, it's been sliding um, almost Step every down. year. One time, um, his second year, he he or his third year, from second to third, he jumped back up. But then the last four, it's it's on a straight decline. And like you said, incremental, but still declining yearly. And you can see the same thing with his hard and soft percentages, which is you know, soft is a little bit more erratic, but hard it's just gotten a little bit better every year. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, it's nice to see that um, in terms of you know his his bad ball spray. It's not um, necessarily only for slugging now, and so with his career bad of 284 being so low, um, you know, you couple that also with um, the the ground ball rate, uh, ground per, per fly ball rate that's been closest to one of his whole career, mm-hmm. um, which has also been kind of steadily uh, moving towards one. What you've got now is a, a more uh, conducive spray for um, BABIPs. So, you know, instead of having these 270 BABIPs that he's had for a lot of his career, I think that he can either equal this 291 or even maybe improve it a little bit, um, you know, as the weather gets warmer and uh, the ball starts flying a little bit, especially in Arizona in his and home And let's park. get some warm games in Coors, too. I think I feel like every one has been frigid. Obviously, there's still been some great production in Coors uh, for teams, but I want to see Trumbo there when, when it's warming up. That's going to yeah, be fun. Yeah, so, so I think, um, you know, I, I think that this will be one of his better bad years. I think he'll get it over 300, and I think he'll hit, you know, 270 maybe this year. At least uh, his, his, I think he'll at least manage what his career high is, 268. So I think he's he's well, in line for one of his better batting average years. And, that's good. Uh, I mean. He got his power back up to pretty much where we kind of hoped he would get it um, when he uh, when he when he got to Arizona. Now the pace for game has him probably around 26 or something, um, and I was hoping for maybe 36, 37, 38. Sure. Leaving leaving Anaheim, but uh, now he's 29 and a little bit older. But I think he'll even pick up the power pace. Actually, I mean the doubles have been there. He's hit three triples, which uh, I need to go watch the video on those. Oh. Uh, one I can remember for sure was an absolute smoke shot, not some rattle around lucky, <laughs> lucky one or anything like that. Just one 
No, I just want to see the big guy run. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's actually, I don't know, the word impressive would be tough to use. But when you <laughs> take your preconceived notion and his body type and then compare it against what he is, that's, how, that's the relatively speaking, it's impressive because I was surprised <laughs> that he's able to motor around there. Like you said, three and not the first time he's had three, he's had three for a season before but he's already got three in 41 games. So I like what we're seeing from Trumbo. I've uh, been DFSing the crap out of him this year. I didn't really have him in any leagues. I am still a little great versus lefties. Exactly. So I... An automatic for me uh, in DFS versus lefties. Cause I just don't think he's run up against lefties that are fearful. I like your points about the, uh, the Babbitt and thus the batting average. Cause if you all of a sudden, you're talking about somebody who can hit 270, maybe get a little lucky and do 275 with 30s homer potential. I mean, you know, if it if the power does improve, a little bit of a spike, a big run at Coors or something, or even his own home ballpark, as we keep talking about, then all of a sudden Mark Trumbo could put up a Nelson Cruz last year sort of situation. Nelson Cruz hit 271 with 40 bombs. I think that that is a legitimate potential upside for, for Trumbo. Uh, again, if he, you got to catch fire a little bit with only eight homers so far, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I just traded for him in a keeper league um, and uh, I partially used Addison Russell. So, um, well, I mean, I got other pieces. I got some Tyson Ross action and um, I got I, I filled a bunch of holes that um, will probably have me uh, win the championship for like something like the sixth year out of ten. Very uh, nice. I, I like uh my, in my old my old school home league, but um, yeah, uh, I, in that league, you know, we have prospects, and I've just been continually trading away my prospects from from year one. That's, that's one. my favorite thing to do. You know, yeah, I, uh, I haven't traded away as Mookie Betts just because I said, ah, screw it, I'll keep this one share. <laughs> I, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you with with him being an exception. I'll make exceptions with some of the hitters, but for the most part, the pitchers are insta traded. I, I I get prospects to trade them. I've said it on the show before. It's fun to have the shiny new toy, but I'll, I'll try to turn them into, you know, turn their peak right before they're about to come up and everyone thinks they're going to be otherworldly. You know, sometimes it is a Bryant and they do hit the ground running. I mean, I, I didn't have Bryant, but it, sometimes it is yeah. that guy. But those instances are so rare that I think people get so drunk on those that they think that, uh, you know, the next Ad- Addison Russell is going to be that guy. I, I'm I'm shopping Addison Russell right now as, as we speak because not because I'm against him or anything, just because I think I can get way more than he's currently worth because of the, the future that everyone's so excited about. Let's talk some pitching, you know. Uh, we got to start with Noah Syndergaard because, you know, went out, had another big outing yesterday, his best one yet probably, uh, or not even probably, 100%. You know, seven and a third was the longest and no runs. So that that instantly equals uh, your, your best outing of your career. No walks, six strikeouts, just six hits against the Phillies. Let me throw the wet blanket first, and then you can go ahead and, and, and talk a bit about him. He's faced literally nobody. I mean, uh, the, going into the Wrigley first, first one against the Cubs, okay, that, that's not nobody. They've got some damage, and they did some damage against them. they got some guys who can do damage. But the, the huge strikeouts make them a susceptible team. But then since then, it's really been nobody. Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, and Philly, three of the absolute worst teams in WRC Plus against righties. Now, the Pirates have moved up since he faced them, but they were bottom five when he faced them. Phillies are the worst. Milwaukee's been 28-29 all year. So – I'm I'm really excited about him, and I'm not trying to say it as as Noah Syndergaard isn't good or anything like that. I'm saying, don't get so excited about these current results that we've seen, as 
a way to project him going forward. First off, it's four starts. It really wouldn't even matter if it was three against the Dodgers and, and one against the Tigers. Uh, that'd be weird if he had three starts against the same team in, out of four. But uh, it, it wouldn't matter even if it was great opponents. But the fact is that it's been weaker opposition. So just I'd say tone it down a little bit on the Syndergaard love. I, I see some people throwing him top 20 already, and I think that that's a little bit too high even though I am super excited about him overall. What do you think of what we've seen out of Noah Syndergaard thus far? It's very interesting because when I watch him, <clears throat> it's easy to just get to just fall right in love with him. hundred uh, percent agree there. You know, he, he actually uh, hit a hundred twice in his last uh, outing. And, um, and it was actually easy, by the way, it's easy. 99.7, not, not, not exactly a hundred, but uh, yeah, he had a hundred and, um, and there's not a lot of starters, probably eight starters this year that have done that even once. And Actually, not even eight starters because I remember now that it was Chapman and Caminero were on that list. So I think there's probably three starters or four starters that, that hit um, 100 this year. And um, <clears throat> so that's that's exciting. And, and you can't – and the curve looks good and the change looks decent. And he looks composed. Uh, even when he got rattled a little bit in the Chicago start – it wasn't too bad, sure. uh, and he and he didn't, you know, fall apart. And um, you know, he managed to get through that game, and it wasn't the best of his of his outing so far. But he he got through it. So then you you sort of flip over and look at the numbers, and you're like, wow, six point eight percent swing strike rate. That's weird. Um, that's really low from that what I think of his. Really stood out to me because I did not expect. I, I know his K rate was only 22%, which I would have expected higher, but I definitely thought when I'd opened his page that I'd see, you know, like an 11% swing strike rate or something, you know, much higher. So that's surprising at 7%. What do you make of that? Well, I wonder if part of it is that he's, you know, been pretty fastball heavy, um, but not, not crazily so, uh, you know, partially that he kind of uses a curve. Uh, as a secondary, as his main secondary pitch, and curves uh, don't have the best uh, whiff rates okay. and best um, swing rates. But uh, his curve is kind of a power curve. Oh, you know, it's so sexy. We were all just talking about whether or not it should even be called a curve, and it's more of a slider. But it, you know, it has by pitch FX, it has uh, two inches of drop beyond zero, um, and sliders are usually don't drop that much. So I think yeah. it's it's a legit curve. Um, but uh, he really snaps it off, and uh, it is, you know, at 80, 81 miles an hour, it's a pretty pretty good curve in that way. But it hasn't been getting a lot of whiffs. Uh, 11% is just about average. The change uh, gets 10% whiffs, uh, has good shape, um, not as much drop as average, but a good gap, almost 10-mile-an-hour gap and a lot of fade. So uh, it's a decent uh, change-up. He just can't command it much. And most of his whiffs are coming from the 97, 96, 97 mile an hour fastball, um, you know, the four seamer where he gets 10% whiff. So I guess, um, you know, using the, if your fastballs like by comparison to other pitches uh, in the round of the league, if your fastball is your best pitch for swinging strikes, then you're not, maybe not going to have a great overall swinging strike rate. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, you can have a, you can have like a 30% whiff rate on your slider, but your, you know, a 10% whiff rate on your four seam is good. Uh, so that could be part of what's going on. But, um, you know, now that we've talked about all this and, and we, you know, we've talked this through, you know, got these good pitches, but it's mostly a big fastball with a curve that he hasn't quite figured out how to get a lot of whiffs on and a change he can't quite command yet. 
Um, I think about this in a redraft league. Uh, would I trade Syndergaard for Strasburg? Wow. In a redraft. I'm thinking back to this league that I had where I ended up with Solaire in my utility slot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've been, you know, searching for pitching in that league. And I have Syndergaard in that league. And so it's, it's very tempting to say, well, this team's going to go as far as Syndergaard's going to take me. Um, but it's also tempting to say, well, maybe I can take Syndergaard, add him to somebody like Moss. Sure. And and go get Strasburg and and Moss is you know not a bench piece. I slot him in sometimes, but um, you know he seems more replaceable in this league. I like Brandon Moss. What 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 what's the league structure again? Uh, LFCFRF with oh one that's right that's right and uh, two bench slots. So I, for on offense for me at least, and so I slot him in. Um, you know to keep getting. Um, let me see here. I actually have the window open. I Get think. some punch every once. Hey, I, I didn't realize Moss's average was so low. I, I thought he was still doing his normal 230s, 240s area. Yeah, but I he's at actually been putting him with uh, Shinsu Chu. Okay. Uh, and and playing him a little bit for Avisel Garcia with the knee thing. So, but it, that's like an extra outfielder. And I think that there's going to be a little bit more power coming from Jorge Soler because he's just a man. Has be- to be. He's hitting it up the middle. I don't really see anything wrong with Jorge Soler right now. I mean, I know the strikeout rate is a little bit high, but I think that he's uh, he's shown the adjustment in the past. He's hitting everything up the middle. He's going with the pitch a little bit more, and he's friggin' huge. Yeah, so, I, I don't see enough to be this bad at all. Um, yeah, there, there's so been I, some, oh, I'm tempted ahead. by this idea of you know packing Moss and and uh, and Syndergaard for for Strasburg and. The funny thing would be that the top of this rotation would then be uh, Strasburg, Salazar, uh, uh, Strasburg and Wood uh, with Salazar and Bauer um, and, and DeGrom. It'd be a very interesting a group of pitchers because I'd have both of the guys where I'm like, I don't know. That's a major boomer bust. Uh, yeah. Like there, there's some just some massive upside. Salazar. Um, but I'm in seventh place. It's a money league. I've won it like three out of four league years. And it would just add to my mystique and aura in this <laughs> league. Um, they would be so mad if I pulled it off with a Strasburg deal. So um, if I'm you tempted. pulled it off and then Strasburg goes right back to last year or 2013 levels, they'd be like, dude, we hate Eno. Yeah, they already do. That's how it starts every year. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, yeah, that's funny. I'm in a league. Uh, jo- Jonah Carey's that guy in a league I'm in. Uh, Jonah Carey of, of Grantland makes the trades all the time, always buying low on guys. All, you know, always seems to have that Midas touch where he, yeah, I think he's kind of jokingly known for being a curse of guys with his columns. When he writes about somebody, they, they go in the tank or they get hurt or something. It's the opposite for his fantasy team. If he trades for someone, boom, they're going to catch fire. Uh, so maybe you can be that guy uh, of your league there with, with Strasburg. That's interesting. That, that Syndergaard Strasburg thing. I'm not sure where I'm going to be ranking them. You know, I did the May update uh, almost three weeks ago now uh, with the tiers, and obviously they weren't that close, but a lot has changed since then. So we'll, we'll see where they are. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of TBD on that right now. I want to talk about one more pitcher before we get to those intriguing call-ups that I mentioned at the outset of the show. Uh, a pitcher who's been really struggling, and interestingly, I, I think a little bit, is Annabelle Sanchez. Now, you know, the home run rate is through the roof, 1.6, career worst, um, and it's got his ERA up at 612. And I'm sure there's an inflated homer to fly ball rate to go with it. And so 
it makes sense that you would think it's going to come down. But a lot of what's happened has been his own doing. You know, he just has these misses uh, that when he can't, or he's, he's going well for three innings, and and then all of a sudden loses it. It's been so maddening. He was pitching brilliantly in Pittsburgh in his second start of the season, I remember, and then uh, just a couple home runs late, and all of a sudden it's a five earned run outing. He gave up three in that game. When the White Sox bombed him, a couple home runs in that game. I mean, he's had some utter shellackings. It's tough to get a read on him on, it, on if he should keep going with Anibal Sanchez because strikeout and walk rates are pretty good. Uh, the stuff looks pretty good when you're watching him, at least what the, the innings that he's running well. And then, boom, frisbee slider over the heart of the plate, monster shot. You know, weak fastball, dips back over the heart of the plate, monster shot. What do you think about Anibal Sanchez right now? Because I'm sure he's pissing you off if he's on any of your teams. <laughs> well, I showed up in my strikeouts minus walks piece um, because he's he's like top 25 by that metric. Um, you know, so, he, you know, just by the best, you know, in-season pre- uh, predictor, uh, he's doing well. So that's, that's a good thing. Uh, I like that, um, you know, there's no big velocity loss. Uh, and uh, actually, in this case, since we're talking about a guy who we want to be like he was in the past, I like the fact that there's not a real big change in his pitching mix. Yeah. Um, that's I, I, I'm assuming that whatever's being picked up as a splitter this year is not necessarily a new splitter and just his old changeup. Um, yeah, uh, he's got a butterfly, what he calls a butterfly changeup. Um, maybe that's what, what, what's being classified in there mm-hmm. as a splitter because, no, I, I don't believe that he has a, a set splitter. I certainly haven't seen them ask or, or, or call one out on the Tigers broadcast or anything like that. So, yeah, I imagine it's just a variation on his change that, that they're classifying that way. I'm seeing, you know, when I look at vertical location of his pitches, the only thing I see is a little bit of maybe leaving the uh, sinker up a little bit. Uh, it's the highest vertical location, average vertical location he's had since 2012. Um, you know, that's possibly a thing. Um, but in terms of uh, movement, um, you know, and velocities, uh, his pitches are mostly the same as they were last year. So, um in this case, we also don't have quite the same sample as um, we do with uh, Strauss and um, Wood, I don't think. And we're not missing – with Strauss and Wood, we're missing swinging strikes. And we're missing strikeout rate where there was before. But with uh, with Anibal Sanchez, we're not necessarily doing that. Oh. We have the strikeout rate. We have the swinging strike rate. So I'm willing to – you know, he's actually one of – the best by lows I think out there. I think him and Gio Gonzalez, uh, give me shares of them, you know, more in redraft than keeper because both of them, I've always been a little bit nervous about injury wise, uh, Gio, because he used to have crazy mechanics and, yeah. Um, and Annabelle, cause he, I mean, it was looking like he just wasn't going to pan out as expected because of injuries until yeah. he finally started to find some health in his, in his mid, mid to late twenties. But in redraft leagues. Yeah. Giddy up. I want, I think I, I might just go try and, you know, an easier thing for me to do right now is go try and sell Moss to a power start team for one of those guys. I agree with, with your analysis on, on Sanchez regarding uh, his buy low uh, potential there. I, th- I think it's definitely somebody that is much better than a 612 ERA. I think at the very worst, um, the Zips projection the rest of the way is something viable, which they have him at a 383 uh, for the rest of the way. I think that 
at the very worst, you're going to get something like that with the with the potential to be much better because we've seen it in the past. The stuff is high quality. The, uh, there is one piece that stands out that's that's drastically different from previous. It's the fly ball and ground ball rate mix. That's the only real major difference. Uh, you know, more fly balls probably leading to more homers, of course, et cetera. But I think this home run problem can get under control. Um, it, it used to be what he excelled at. I mean, I, I, what, two years ago when he had that amazing season where he led the league in uh, ERA, he also led the league in, in home runs per nine. So, And he was even better last year, just didn't have enough innings to qualify. So after such elite home run suppression for two years, I find it curious that Sanchez all of a sudden now has a 1.6 homer per nine. I'm also buying with Anibal Sanchez. I 100% agree. Let's talk about a couple of intriguing call-ups, and I'm going to flip them from the sheet just because we just talked about Anibal Sanchez. Let's go ahead and talk about his teammate who's coming up, and that's Buck Farmer. Now, uh, he's getting an opportunity based on uh, Alfredo Simon hitting the bereavement list, so this could be more of a short-term thing. We'll see, although Kyle Lobstein also hit the disabled list too. So um, there is a situation where maybe if Buck Farmer excels here, he could find a little bit more of an extended stay. Uh, not a huge prospect, more, more of a prospect because the Tigers uh, don't have a ton of great prospects as opposed to a league-wide uh, big-time guy. But a fifth-rounder out of college, um, pitch, has pitched well everywhere, uh, You know, been a little bit older for his level the first two seasons because he came from college. This year as a 24-year-old in AAA, 298 ERA, just under a strikeout per inning with 50 and 51 in the third for Buck Farmer and a quality whip. What do you think of him? Uh, anything to to get excited about with Buck Farmer? Uh, and, and if so, what kind of league format? I mean, just because there's no prospect pedigree, I don't know why. I, like, I honestly have no idea why he hasn't registered with any, you know, top 100 lists or or, or registered higher. It it confounds me. Just watch him. You see velocity. You see a good change. You can see a good slider. There's no, I mean, there has been, okay, there's been some slight command issues. I'll admit that. There's been some, some, some slight command issues, and maybe people just think the command is, is not manageable. But he's, you know, in terms of walk rate at least, it hasn't been, you know, totally obvious that he can't command his pitches. Um, even his strikeout rates in some in the minor leagues have been good. And, you know, to go to the sort of pitch type analysis that we do here, you know, his changeup has five inches more drop than a regular changeup. It has an inch and a half more uh, horizontal movement than a regular changeup. And it has the average velocity gap. And the slider is his, is his normally thought of as his plus pitch. You know who is a big fan Who's of that? Buck Farmer? Carson Sestouli. He's a, yes, fr right. a fringe five, a repeat fringe fiver, I believe. And uh, Sestouli goes to great lengths to highlight that, uh, that changeup specifically of, of, of Farmer. And so, you know, he was the number three prospect in the Tiger system for Kylie uh, on his list. But again, the system it doesn't have a lot of depth, so it's not like being number three is the same as being number three elsewhere. In fact, he only had him as a 45 uh, future guy. I think that some some of what we're seeing so far this year is starting to turn people into thinking that Buck Farmer could be more than a 45. And I wonder if even Kylie would bump up his his outlook on on Farmer, given what we've seen. And I'm pretty intrigued. I'm or I'm, I'm excited to see what's going on uh, when when he gets a chance here in the major leagues. And I I'd like to see him get a handful of starts as opposed to just a, a spot start and gone. I mean, he he got a little bit of burn last year, nine nine in the third innings, um, nothing too special. Uh, 
but the strikeouts were there. You know, he could get some swings and misses. Uh, so despite the 11.57 ERA, which probably has people completely ignoring him, like you said, there, there's there's probably something here uh, that 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 could turn out. Now at 24 and and with without much major league experience. It might take a while, but I think there are some seedlings to be interested in here with uh, with Mr. Farmer. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that the biggest piece to watch for tonight, honestly, because everyone will probably be talking about what his stuff looks like, is to kind of watch that command. Because yeah. that's that's the invisible thing that robs, you know, Alan Webster of being worthy of even being <sighs> discussed about. You know, yep. I mean, that's, maybe not so invisible in Alan Webster's case, but... You know, it is the it is the thing that's the hardest. And you know, I I tried to get into it with my Joe Kelly piece. I wrote a piece of that Joe Kelly is always a, a, an adjustment away from greatness, and um, and it was kind of a self admonishment because it's like, you know, when I look at Joe Kelly, I always see great velocity, great change up per whiffs, great breaking ball. What the hell is missing? <laughs> and uh, and you look at his walk rate, not that bad. What's missing? And then you look at his zone rate on his pitches, and that's still not a great um, uh, number to use uh, for command because there's really not a great number to use for command. But if you look at zone rate for pitches and you compare it to other, like the league average zone rate on those pitch types so that you can get a sense of how often he gets the slider in the zone versus other sliders and stuff like that, then you really see it because his, uh, his index zone rate on his changeup for Joe Kelly is like 20th. So he's in the 20th percentile. Uh, he gets like 15% of his changeups in the zone. Okay. So there's no reason to swing at that pitch. Yeah, you spit on it entirely. You just, if you, the minute you think it's a changeup, you you hold that bat. And I that's the danger a little bit with Noah Syndergaard's changeup. It looks good, but so far, a lot of balls. So, you know, if he can't get it closer to the zone, then he's, you know, you won't necessarily get swings on it. So, um you know, that's that's what I would watch for. I mean, other than that, you know, watch the change. Watch watch the movement. Watch uh, that watch catcher's glove. Yeah, watch the velocity. Watch the catcher's glove. Yeah, and if he does get hit hard, watch to see if it was, you know, if the ball was supposed to be where it was or if exactly. it drifted over the plate, that sort of thing. So yeah, I, it, I think he's worth a watch. I mean, him and this other guy we're going to talk about, uh, are. I need to watch these guys tonight. Yes, um, I'm, I'm, I mentioned I'm going to the Round Rock game. Should be probably not going to stay for the whole thing because it's, you know, 45 minutes away, uh, probably going to want to get home at a decent hour. And so um, I get a chance to watch both, or actually just, just the Buck Farmer one. That's the late one. Uh, this other one will be going on while I'm gone, but I will go back and, and check out how Eduardo Rodriguez, our other guy to talk about, does debuting for Boston tonight. This is a guy they picked up from Baltimore in the Andrew Miller deal. And he has some prospect to claim. And so it's a pretty good pickup, you know, for a couple months of, of a reliever, albeit a, a very good reliever. And they, Baltimore wouldn't have done what they did without Miller, even though they fell short of their ultimate goal. But it's looking like uh, Rodriguez has taken even a step forward with Boston. He was already somebody that, that folks liked. He came in the last year getting top 100 acclaim. Well, this year it's strengthened a little bit. He moved up in a couple of, uh, a couple of the, t the top 100 lists that he was on, and he's been excellent so far this year. Eight starts, 298 ERA, 109 whip, actually 110 if you round up, um, uh, and a 6.3 strikeout-to-walk ratio. He's always had kind of okay strikeouts, 
um, 8.2 this year. You know, that's, that's not bad at all, but it's, it's certainly not elite when you erode a little bit for the major league level. But he's really trimmed the walk rate, a career best 1.3 per nine for Eduardo Rodriguez. He's a left-hander for the for the Red Sox here. Very excited to see what, what he can do tonight. Give me a read on on this guy as well. I think though I think I mean I hate to sound like a broken record we just we just uh, I just said this about somebody else but uh, I'm I'm watching the command and, and in particular for him I have um, there's a more there's a bigger reason to you just mentioned that he that he cut his walk rate but you know that doesn't always mean that his command has gotten better no and uh, I was I was gonna make that exact point it could just be uh, improved control and, and yeah. in the majors it could get exposed instantly so that's a hundred percent what I'll be looking for it's, it's, on it's, him. it's something that you can see with Graveman a little bit Kendall Graveman too you know great walk rates in the minors came up and and was scared to death to throw in the middle of the zone so um, who, who was that then sorry Kendall Graveman he, oh yeah you know, yeah yeah a couple of times he came up uh, I think he has decent command it might have been a there's also a, a faith and confidence thing mm-hmm. um, where you're not if you're not so sure of your stuff then you're not going to throw it in the zone but um you know with with rodriguez it's interesting that he has now um you know 80 90 innings of a sub two per nine walk rate and yet uh, kylie put a 45 on his command way you to know, go kylie no i'm just kidding yeah. well that's the worst i mean i don't no, i'm saying i love kylie and so therefore this exactly. is what i'll be watching because no, I, I knew the it, he did give made. it a 45 50 so you know maybe it's better but i think you know a sub two walk rate, I would, I would, I would expect to look at at command and see a sixty there. So, um, you know, I don't know if he made a step forward mechanically with the Red Sox. These are the best walk rates of his career, and they came with the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some talk about his mechanics, um, and maybe the Red Sox saw something. And that's why they went and got him. Uh, but in any case, uh, I'll be watching for uh, walk rate. Maybe they moved his place on the rubber, and that's a big deal for lefties because. You know, they, they're looking at the zone very differently uh, from where they are on the rubber. So exactly. uh, I'll be watching for that. Uh, the fastball is supposed to be great. Um, and, and the changeup uh, and the slider both are supposed to be good. So uh, I'm excited to watch him. I know a little bit less about him. I think we all know a little bit less about him because in 2013, he started the year in high A and wasn't on anybody's radar. Um, and since there was a velocity jump, um, and the, the, the flashing plus slider and change became more regularly plus and, uh, and there's this command piece. So it's a very interesting player. No, I, I will, I will definitely say the same regarding Rodriguez in, in terms of knowing less, because, uh, for those that don't know, and I don't know how you couldn't, but I'm Tigers fan. So, you know, I've mm-hmm. at least been following Buck Farmer from a little bit of a distance for a while and then paying more attention to him as he reached the, the, the high minors. So yeah, I hear you there. Excited for both. Really, I, I see a legitimate path to both playing their way into mixed league relevance. It's it's obviously not there yet, but on you know if they go out and have a big outing, you got to jump quickly sometimes. And 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 so you know if we'll talk about them both. In fact, I'll make a note that we follow up uh, on them on, on on Tuesday's episode, you and I, because um, you know I don't want to forget about them. Actually, maybe I'll see if Jason and I can talk about it too, because it'll be bid night as well. Um, and so we'll, we'll follow up on these two and, and kind of see where they are. It'll be one start, but you got to make decisions on, on less and less um, playing time these days because somebody will make the move. 
And and so you know if we if we see enough glimmers and 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 the control or and command and control that we're talking about is there, then maybe we jump quicker than than you might have otherwise. But uh, anyway, yeah, we're I, mean, gonna... I, bought, I bought Mike Wright for AL Labor because I needed a, a pitcher. I bought him on one start based on the With fact the that velocity was up too. Yeah, uh, same exact reason I bought. I, I think I tweeted you that that where the heck did that come from? Okay, I'll take a shot. Not not treating us too well so far um, in the second half of that doubleheader, giving up three runs in three innings, but we knew that some runs were coming. I still like the two strikeouts and no walks. It's been a couple of homers, one to LaRoche, one to Eaton. Uh, not surprisingly, both lefties. So, you know, a young guy struggling with the opposite hander, not a huge surprise. I do still like Mike Wright, though. That's the same situation. If these two show me a little bit more than their reports, uh, you know, have led me to believe, then I am going to make the move a little bit quicker than I, I would have in the back in the day. I, I'm like, some guy's got to show me five starts. You can't wait that long anymore. There's just no way. So uh, we'll, we'll update them for sure. Uh, Eno, I don't know if you're going to the yard tonight, but if you are, enjoy yourself. Otherwise, we will be talking in a handful of days from now. Uh, Jason and I will be back on Sunday. Take care, you know. Yes, thanks for listening.